the clients are not always operating or potential clients are not always working on your timeline, right? They have a lot of things happening on their end and sometimes they disappear and having uh, your sales pipeline logged in an opportunity record in the CRM that helps you to see when was the last time I pinged them? What came up in that conversation? You know, did, was he okay with me reaching out to him two weeks later? Was he okay if I checked in with him three or a month later? You know, um, and and that's what helps because then you see, oh, yeah, actually I talked and he said it was okay to reach out back in November, which I did. And then he said, still not ready. Check back with me in three months. And then you put yourself a reminder, hey, three months from now, I need to email this person, you know, and it's there. It's sitting on your opportunity pipeline. It's not falling through the cracks. You can, it's not occupying space in your brain either, you know. You can give full attention to your existing clients and get things done. Three months later, you have that popping up, that reminder, and then you reach out and then boom, things move. Are you looking for ways to shorten your marketing learning curve and help your organization survive and thrive? Welcome to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast a show for purpose-focused leaders who want to use marketing techniques to fuel their organization's growth. If you're a returning listener and you haven't subscribed already, we'd love to have you. Also, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now here's your host, author and marketing specialist, Stu Swinefort. Hey everybody, Stu here. If you've ever been curious about adding a CRM to your toolkit, to help manage your donors or customer integrations or essentially all of the things that help keep your business moving forward and, and help you create predictability and, um, and consistency in your outreach, then today's episode is for you. My guest is Liddy Mako, and she is just an amazing uh, resource for all things CRM. Um, so CRM is a customer relations management tool. And a lot of times nonprofits think that they don't need those. Um, however, if you can track and do a better job of keeping in touch with your uh, people who've reached out to inquire, uh, people who have donated in the past, et cetera, it gives you a much, much stronger opportunity to uh to transform those people into repeat donors or bigger donors, or even just maintaining your volunteer base and understanding how you're communicating with them. So I think a CRM is a, is a very valuable tool for any, any organization, including nonprofits. And, and Liddy's just great about it. She runs a company called CRM Growth Strategy. And um, we just had a really great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And here we go. Liddy, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to chat with you. Just a little note for the listeners. I am recording today in a co-working space here in Netherlands, so it might be a little bit more echoey than normal on my end. We had some internet uh, challenges at my house, and so I just jammed down to Ned here to uh, to talk with Liddy about uh, customer relations management and how important that is for for organizations of any type um so i'm really happy to have you on the show today Liddy. 
Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity to join you and share my experiences with you and with your audience. Thank you yeah, for having so me. My, it's my pleasure. I think we were introduced by Jeff Kinsey, who was also on the show. Um, so it's really cool to see how the relish this community is um, is kind of growing and, and how everybody's kind of intertwined. It's really fun to see. How did you and Jeff first meet? Yeah, so I met Jeff through Good Business Colorado. Fantastic. And I'm a member of that as well. Yeah, and, and then I found out that Jeff has done some work with the executive director of another organization that is my client. So that connection also came up. <laughs> uh, that, that's fantastic. Uh, which organization is that? Rocky Mountain Microfinance Institute. Okay, cool. I haven't met those guys yet, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll be introduced to them. That, that sounds like a cool, a cool place to uh, to have people that I can talk with. So, tell us, tell us what you do at CRM Growth Strategy. Yeah, so CRM Growth Strategy is the third rebrand. Okay. <laughs> of my business, you know. Things changed, and at some point, you you there's this urge to adjust the brand to be more aligned with how how we're showing up, right? Right. So this rebrand happened over the turn of the year, 2021 to 2022. Um, I started my business back in 2014. So my background was as a software engineer. I worked in the broadcast industry for years and years. Um, I am an immigrant. I am Brazilian okay. and American. I'm I naturalized American in 2015. And this seems like all random stuff about me, but they're not, you know, because they all contributed to me and my urge to end up um having my business and, and embracing, I, I think entrepreneurship for me is embracing that true spirit of being American. Right. So, um, yeah, I went back to school in 2012. I got an MBA at the University of Denver. And when I finished MBA program, I started my business. Funny that Rocky Mountain Microfinance Institute came up because they were my clients zero. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, I was at DU when I met Rob Smith, which was the found, one of the founders and the executive director of RMMFI for a very long time. He, he recently stepped away from it, but um, that's how my, uh, my business started, really, you know. And, um, and, and it's funny, Rob means a lot to me <laughs> in RMMFI because... At that point in time, I was, am I going to start a business? Am I going to get a job? And that experience with RMMFI doing pro bono consulting and helping them with Salesforce helped me to feel confident enough to take the next step and uh, move forward with my business. Oh, that's fantastic. So you came from an engineering background and then kind of found your found your zone in uh, in in Salesforce specifically, it sounds like. Not exactly. So Salesforce was my client zero. I knew Salesforce was going to be a part of it because 
um, you know, it, it's such a strong player in the cloud-based CRM space. Yeah. But the, when I first started, my goal was to help small business owners with cloud-based systems in general. Okay. And uh, then a couple of years into it, I was doing just CRM, CRM. So then I rebranded to Small Business CRM Coach. Okay. And um, and at the time, I was trying to do like coaching. I did a coaching program and I... Um, I created an online course and I wanted to coach people to use CRM. And with that, I learned that it's not that simple. All right. <laughs> Most people don't want that. Most people want the, you know, either that I do it for them or a little bit more um, handholding through the process. So, um, so that's why like, I rebranded to CRM Growth Strategy because now I'm seeing myself working more with organizations that are growing, have more users, and we are expanding, you know, the the use of the CRM system into tracking more business processes within the system. So where do you see people really needing to take the leap from, you know, tracking in spreadsheets or whatever they have been doing historically Mm -hmm. to... Uh, using a CRM, is there is there a period of time that you that you say, yeah, once you've gotten to this level, you need to to make that make that leap? Good question. I think so. From my perspective, of course, and my uh, my mindset, you know, like I think from day one, it's good to have, even if it is a free CRM, to start mm-hmm. tra- tracking your connections people who you meet, networking, and building your database. Because the small organizations are so community-focused, right? Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, though, a lot of people are not ready to bite that into it. <laughs> so, um, so that being said, uh, I think that the three to five years is a good window because if you've been in business for more than three years, then you're starting to get to a place where you, you have active enough activity, go activities going on that justify you being in business for three years and having a CRM will help you to make sure things don't fall through the cracks, you know? Right. Um, So that's the, that three to five year window for me is um, when I get a client that is in that window and they are thinking about the CRM, it's because they want to make sure things are not falling through the cracks. That's the ideal uh, starting point. Gotcha. So most people start to recognize that there may be a opportunities that they're missing or things that they're forgetting to do. And since they're not tracking that stuff in the CRM or in an effective way, that's where plugging in that tool could be become a, a really effective part of their, of their marketing and, and outreach and, and just, you know, tracking, I, I assume. Yes. I, I think, so going back to how, does the CRM help in terms of avoiding things from falling through the cracks, right? Uh, A lot of organizations are are more on this business-to-business space. Mm -hmm. And um, 
what happens in the business to business space. What happens is that a, a business project or a, a, a contract, it's not transactional. It's not that someone shows up in somebody else's website and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to purchase this $10,000 project right now. Right. <laughs> it's not, you don't get it off the shelf, right? There is a, there is a lot of work or a lot of things that happen in terms of you meet someone and then you see them again and then you see them three more times before they feel like they really know and trust you to feel comfortable to refer you to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then when you start talking to a potential client, again, it, it you start that conversation today and um, and you do the steps that you need to do in order to move that client along. But the clients are not always operating or potential clients are not always working on your timeline, right? Mm-hmm. They have a lot of things happening on their end and sometimes they disappear. And having uh, your sales pipeline logged in an opportunity record in the CRM that helps you to see when was the last time I pinged them? Right. What came up in that conversation? You know, did was he okay with me reaching out to him two weeks later? Was he okay if I checked in with him three or a month later? You know, um, and and that's what helps because then you see, oh yeah, actually I talked and he said it was okay to reach out back in November, which I did. And then he said, still not ready, check back with me in three months. And then you put yourself a reminder, hey, three months from now, I need to email this person, you know, and it's there. It's sitting on your opportunity pipeline. It's not falling through the cracks. You can, it's not occupying space in your brain either, you know? Yeah. You can give full attention to your existing clients and get things done. Three months later, you have that popping up, that reminder, and then you reach out and then boom, things move. And right. and I'm, I'm telling you this, there's a specific client that that happened, you know, <laughs> recently with me, like there, we were back and forth for months and I, I don't know, you know, I'm going to keep asking and I'm glad I kept asking because now we we started with an initial project and now we are moving forward to a, a, a new engagement, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing when you um <clears throat> when you can track that stuff and keep keep on top of it. Um, you know, I, I remember one instance where we had a, a two year sales cycle on a on a client um where I first started talking to them. You know, and two years later, they finally said, yeah, let's do this. Um, so had I not been keeping up with that client and, and providing not only just touch bases, but, but you know, valuable information all along that, that time frame, um, they, you know, they wouldn't have, have become a client. So it's, uh, it's just super, super cool how a, a, a CRM can help you stay on top of that stuff. Yeah, and it helps you to understand that sales cycle, right? Uh, yeah. I, and I, I think a lot of people 
don't even have a, a, an understanding of, of that because they're not collecting the data. They, can, they don't have anything to look at over time to understand that sometimes, yep, sometimes there is an ideal client that shows up and they need you so much that within two weeks, boom, you're, you're in. But there are others who have more things going on and it can take three to six months or up to two years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. Excuse me. Um, It's just really interesting how when you don't track it, you just don't know. And, um, you know, a lot of times I'll ask clients what their sales cycle looks like and, and, you know, maybe they don't know or, you know, how long, how long does it usually take? And, And I just get either blank stares or, or, you know, kind of hemming and hawing about, about how long it usually takes. And, and it's, it's interesting how, when you have that data, um, you can then make, you know, vastly different, more educated decisions about, about what, uh, what to do next. Yes. Do, do you see, I'm, you know, there are lots of nonprofits out there who may think that they don't need a CRM. How, how have you seen nonprofits leverage the, leverage the power of a CRM to improve their you know, donations, um, acquisition and, and, uh, and communications in general? Oh my God. That's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so I can, I can talk more broadly. I, I think in terms of nonprofits using the CRM to track their donations, you know, Salesforce has the nonprofit starter pack. A lot of my clients use that. Um, and um, ways that I've been able to see them leveraging the information is with the nonprofit starter pack, you can pull reports like who donated this year, and um, and and didn't donate last year, or who donated last year and hasn't donated this year yet, you know. So doing those types of reports, then they can see who showed up and target those specific donors to improve their numbers and improve their their revenue for a period of time. Right. Um, and the same thing, like when they have events going on, just uh, looking at who attended or who engaged, who donated, who sponsored those events in previous years, you know, um, that's the the main uh, the main way that I've seen them just understanding where the the donors are coming from, what are the things that they have supported you. Um, in your organization in the past and how they can support moving forward. Yeah. We, we build out personas too for clients and having that information and being able to track that and, and see what historically has happened and then look for similarities between, between different users can help build out that kind of information, which can be super helpful when you're trying to, to figure out where to, where to advertise or where to go, um, you know, to put your efforts in terms of outreach. Um, so I'm, I, I definitely see how a, a CRM could help with that 
component of of the uh, of the equation as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I and with COVID and everything, there is one nonprofit that I support. That last year they did an event, and uh, they raised, you know, they raised close to five hundred thousand for their event, and it was a record compared to previous years. And this is with COVID and mm-hmm. a limited, you know, they had to limit it, limit the number of tickets for their gala. Right, so, I've I've seen that happen too with. Uh, with nonprofits that were able to actually outraise during the pandemic from a live event because they didn't have all of the overhead of producing a live event. So they were able to, to save a lot of money in, in that capacity. And then, you know, that just went to their bottom line. Um, so there's certainly some interesting things there when tracking at an event, how do, do you recommend people just plug information in after the fact or are there ways that you can get kind of real-time uh, information during the event to plug into your CRM? So um, there are two clients that come to mind, and they both, well, they both used greater giving. One of them is moving to a different platform right now that is called ClickBid. Mm-hmm. So um Nobody is tracking what's happening in the event. During the event, they are enjoying uh, right. the event, you know, and they're just kind of like, oh, okay, we're trying to do an auction here and trying to move forward with what's happening in the event. So usually you're going to have uh, information come in more before the event, which is the, the sponsorships, the tickets, and things like that. And then after the event, because... Um, Live at the event time, yeah, there is a platform that is tracking it, but I don't. I'm not aware that any of them are there checking the numbers necessarily. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't expect them to check numbers during during the event. It was more if there were systems that people could leverage so that they can streamline getting that information into the CRM. Um, and I guess it just sounds to me like people plug that in after, after the fact. Um, which is which is totally fine too. Yeah. So um, so let me break that down. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So with Greater Giving, that's one platform, and um, they can sell the tickets through Greater Giving. Greater Giving helps them to do their auction through it, and then the clients who are using Greater Giving usually there is a Salesforce report that the data is already in the Salesforce and PSP format. So then we can pull that report right after and plug it in, import into Salesforce mm-hmm. and quickly have the numbers in Salesforce. Um, one of my clients is using something called ClickBid right now. Mm-hmm. With ClickBid, there is a direct integration with Salesforce. So the tickets, as the tickets are being purchased, we're already pushing the information into Salesforce. We can see, okay, these tickets have not been synced to Salesforce yet, or okay. these things have not been synced yet. And um, and then, you know, the same thing for the auction, we'll be able to pull a report and see, show me all the, the auction items that haven't synced to Salesforce yet. And then we can just 
select them and and do a push to Salesforce. That gotcha. uh, an admin user at the nonprofit can do it. So with uh, with greater giving, usually that comes back to me to the Salesforce consultant admin to help them. Right. Um, with Clickbed, I am seeing them being able to handle it themselves once they understand how to push that information through. Um, there's one more option, which is Give Lively, which okay. work, Give Lively works well for events where you're just selling tickets. Okay. And um, I have a couple of clients and, and Give Lively, like one, I have a couple of clients who have it for donation, like the donation button on their website is tied to Give Lively and they are also doing events and selling tickets with it. That's great. So really just looking for integrations where the systems that you're using um, have at least some mechanism for an export or a direct tie-in to the, to the CRM that you're using would be your, your recommendation on that. Yes. Yes. I really like Give Lively. I think uh, their integration looks really good. Clickbed is working. I think there is some room for improvement there. And then greater giving, it would be great if they would do a direct integration with Salesforce. Right, right. What are what are some of the objections that you that you see with with organizations who are moving, you know, whether nonprofit or for profit, um, you know, who are considering a move to to a CRM? What are some of the things that people are concerned about that they think should keep them from from making that switch? Well, um, I think a lot of it is just a lack of understanding of how the system is going to support the organization and how things will come together in the system. So they and, think it's it's going to take them more time to integrate this system than to just keep using uh, you know, whatever whatever mechanism or lack thereof they're using today? Uh, yeah, I think it, it's not necessarily that they think it's going to take more time. It, it's just like people don't know what they don't know, right? So then mm -hmm. you get a business owner who has been in business for, um, you know, 20 years, tracking things and managing their, their sales team with spreadsheets. Right. And then, and then you they want to you know a new sales manager comes into into the organization, which happened with me. This is all based on the real story, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And then he is, we need a CRM, and um, and then you talk to you get in a meeting with the CEO, and then there's just resistance coming up, you know, because. Um, then they're concerned, how is this going to integrate with the ERP system and this and that? But when I got the call from the sales manager, like the, the information I had about the ERP system is that is secondary. That's not a priority because the problem, the biggest problem I have is I have no visibility over what my sales team is doing, you know, because there's a spreadsheet. Don't tell me the emails they exchange. It's not as user-friendly for them to log calls or activities or voicemails they left with potential clients, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And then, yeah, then you are not moving forward because the CEO does not understand what it means or the benefits, you know. And, um, yeah, that that's one of the things. It's just like people not really understanding the value of it and uh, how it can improve collaboration in general. And it's uh, it requires education, you know, and some of them are open for it and others not so much. In this situation, this was... Um, this organization, it was a group of vets, you know, uh, so it's a little bit more old school and um, they had the revenue to invest on a CRM system, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of resistance and a lot of questioning. Um, on the other hand, then you have other <laughs> other profiles where they are more kind of like they they know they need to use a CRM. They want to use Salesforce because it is the leader in the market, um, and um, and they they have more understanding of this is not an overnight of the flip of a switch. You know, it does take time to to map the the organization's business processes to the system and. Um, and then it also takes time bringing the team along because even if the CEO is on board and is excited and wants to move things forward, then you have a whole team who is used to doing things the way they're used to. Right. And um, and they are skeptical about how the system is going to help. What right. It seems seems do. like more work for them up front probably. Where they're, you know, there's this new thing that they have to learn and they have to log their stuff in this deal. And, and it just feels like work as opposed to actually something that's going to benefit um, the business or even their sales, for example. Yeah. So then let me, uh, this is great. This is a great comment. Thank you, Stu. Sure. So my question for you is. When you, I am not a salesperson, right? I have, but I am, on the other hand, I have to sell, otherwise I cannot stay in business, right? Yep, yep. So, um, and uh, when you think about a good salesperson, what comes to mind? Ooh, that's a good question. When I think about a good salesperson, I would say it's tenacity and organization would be the kind of the two key attributes that I'd be looking for. Um to, to bring in a, a, a person who's, who's a good salesperson that, and, you know, and honesty. Um, I don't want someone who's going to, you know, oversell or just make up stuff in order to get a sale. Um, you know, so I would say those three attributes would be what I would be looking for. Yeah. So in that process, do you think they have a place where they're keeping notes about, yeah, well, I, I would say the or- when when they need to contact. Yeah, the organizational piece would certainly play <clears throat> certainly play into that. Um, I know, <clears throat> so I feel the role of salesperson at, at Relish Studio, and I know that there are lots of times when 
when well, I, I used to joke that the best CRM is the one that you, you that you will use. Um, so you know, when people ask me, "Well, what CRM should I get?" I'm like, "Well, just find one that's fine and just use it, and you'll be so far ahead of the game um, that you know you'll you'll amaze yourself." Um, and I, I I recognize that there certainly are better and worse CRMs out there, but um, but I do know that when when my sales are lagging it's usually because i've i've not taken the time to log things as effectively as as i should or um or or put the systems in place that allow me to to manage follow-ups effectively yeah so can we make the assumption that a good salesperson is gonna have their notebook somewhere or something where they capture the information about these potential clients, about what yeah. they need, about their preferences, about swags that they might have sent them. You know, mm -hmm. I had the friend who was a sales guy in uh, when I was working corporate and that's what he did. He would put in the CRM a note saying that this time I send mugs, this time I send mouse pads, just so he wouldn't be sending always the same swag to the yep. <laughs> to his accounts, you know. And um, so what I say is like this resistance is if you are a good person, a good employee, professional, doing your job well, regardless, you know, sales or not sales, but because CRM tracks sales, I think that's uh, one of the main roles that we talk about it's likely that this person is tracking and making notes somewhere, you know, and right. where do you want to do it? Do you want to do it and just rely on your emails? You can, but your emails, they have a different purpose, which is communication. Yep. The email is not a relational database where you can navigate and get more context around that specific relationship, you know? Right. So that's where, like, when the resistance comes up, that's what I try to, to talk to people and remind them. And, and some people are more open to it than others, you know. So, yeah. Well, then there's an organizational benefit as well where, you know, if, it's, if, if all my notes are captured in some dusty old notebook that I have and that's not searchable, so it's hard for me to use, um, no one on my team is going to be able to access any of that information and have an understanding of what's going on. So for example, if I you know, leave the company or um, you know, get promoted to a different, uh, a different position, um, you want to be able to, to have that information available and accessible um, to the entire team. So that to me is, is such a huge benefit of, of, a, of a CRM is just, just facilitating that, that piece. Yes, I I agree. Just everything that you log in a CRM is going to have a timestamp. It's going to have who logged when. It's going to yeah. give you more context about what's happening with that person or if that with that organization or with that potential project that you have in your sales pipeline. Yeah. So when you're coaching uh, organizations up on their on. You know, maybe it's the first time that they're integrating a, a CRM into their systems. What are what are some of the first things that you work with them on to to make sure that the investment that they're making in both time and and money is uh, is fruitful for them? 
Yeah, I think my rule of thumb on that is try to meet them where they're at, you know. And it's basically breaking down the concepts, you know. Uh, I, I come from, from the perspective that I don't know what you know about CRMs or not. Mm-hmm. So you probably know enough for me to be here but i don't want to make any assumptions so let's go to the drawing board and talk about what what is a crm and then i i use like in salesforce there is something called uh, the schema builder where i can show and then i i build up on showing them the types of records that are in the system you know there is a lead record when do you use a lead record uh, and then the lead record converts into a contact in an account record. And right. sometimes you can convert into an account contact and opportunity record and how they are all connected to each other. You know, the contact, the account and the opportunity are all connected to each other. That helps you to navigate and so I, I do, I use this schema builder because the data model, I explain basically the data model right. and the data model, I, I try to provide analogies. I say, you know, when you get a house or when you build a house or when you buy a house, usually you look at the floor plan, you know. And the floor plan gives you information about the layout of the house. And at some point, those floor plans were used by your plumber, the electrician, in order to make everything work within the house. And uh, with a system, the database is the equivalent, you know, understanding the core data model of a CRM, because any CRM there on the business-to-business space is at the very minimum have contact, account, and opportunity. Right. And um, and then you have activities. So I start by showing those components and then helping them. Okay, so now the next step is start adding data to the system right. and add each one of those so you can understand and fuel the system a little bit, you know. So you're really trying to show them the relational, the, the relationships between all of these states of being within within their sales cycle. Um, it sounds like where where you, you show kind of vis- visually, I'm guessing, um, you know how all of this all of this information exists in relationship to to all the other information. Yes. Yes. So I show, I start with the data model and then after the data model, I go into, in addition to the data model, there is this processes that are built into the CRM, which is uh, the lead process, right? Where you have the different stages of the lead, just so you can identify if someone is qualified and makes sense to be part of your, uh, if of your database or not. And then contacts uh, and the opportunity, the sales process around uh, the sales pipeline and how that can be customized in terms of stages, in terms of automations that you can use in order to have a consistent process where you have all the steps under each stage 
showing up in the system consistently for your team to always follow those steps, you know? Right. Right. So, so essentially just laying out, um, where people come into the system, where they have, what phase of their involvement they currently reside in and then being able to, to help track, track that progress through, through that sales pipeline. Yeah. So once I do the, this initial, uh, initial coaching around, you know, what is a CRM? How does it fit? Then I start digging deeper in order to customize their data model because part of the implementation is to understand, okay, what are the business processes you have in your organization and how does this, your business processes fit this CRM data model that has contacts, accounts, and opportunities? Right. And sometimes, like especially nonprofits who are more focused on the fundraising side, Salesforce with NPSP fits like a glove. You know, it's all there. It's mostly built in. You might need to do a few tweaks, but not much. Okay. Um, And then there are other situations where, in addition to tracking the fundraising, they also want to track their programs within the system. Right. 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 Uh, Salesforce has a program management module. The nonprofits that I've worked with were not a good fit for that program management. I think that program management is very robust and it's good for bigger nonprofits. Mm-hmm. The, the smaller nonprofits I'm working with, we ended up doing something more custom. Gotcha. How much should uh, an organization budget for for setting up and managing and and I guess licensing their their CRM? Okay, do you so, look at that as a as a, a percentage of their uh, of their income, or how how should they start that process of trying to figure out what they need to spend? Yeah. I, I think that's a tough one for me to answer because like the nonprofit clients I ended up working with, they came to me because of a referral or something else and they were willing to spend the money, you know, or they saw a presentation or they saw something and they were willing to, to spend it. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, for a brand new nonprofit, I, I don't have those numbers Stu. Um, I would think that it's about their priorities, you know, in reality is what is their goal? If, it, if their goal is to increase efficiencies within the organization and save time, mm-hmm. the CRM system can help that. But it's not free. With Salesforce, they can get up to 10 licenses for free, but the implementation costs money, you know. And right. you can you can do implementations between five to uh, nine, fifteen thousand. It depends. Uh, it depends on the scope. It depends on on uh, who you are working with, and um, and it, it depends. Like I've seen nonprofits who did not have much of a budget, but the CRM was a priority. You know because they. They had a, a system before, and they 
that system was no longer supported by their, um, um, you know, like this was one of my clients is Rise Above Colorado. They had a, a, a Oracle database that was part of the MEF project and all organizations that were tied to the MEF project had access to that. But then they um, they canceled their subscription to that and, and told all their MEF project affiliates to go and use Salesforce. So then he had all his data in spreadsheets and did not know how to, you know, turn on the keys of the car, basically, in oh, a way. Wow. He, he wasn't sure how to, to get that into Salesforce. And he was working with an IT provider who is a dear friend of mine, great, uh, great guy who supports a lot of nonprofits as well, uh, David. And, uh, and David looked at it and then he looked under the hood a little bit and he said, I think he, this is a great system, but I think you need to get someone who can help you. And in the beginning, like it was costly, you know, like we had, we built quite a few things that first year. But then after that, like year over year, I think we are, I don't know, around less than 50 hours in a year. Okay. That's good to know. And, and, um, you know, certainly there's, there's training on the front end in terms of getting your team up and running and, uh, and, and understanding how the, how the systems work. And then there's going to be on, there will be ongoing costs associated with running a CRM, not only the licensing costs, but just having your team in there. But, um, you know, again, coming back to that mindset shift that this is, this is something that's supposed to not only save <clears throat> you and, and your entire organization time, but to help facilitate and speed up those transactions. So whether that's a donation or a sale, um, you know, the idea here is that, is that you're, you're investing in a system that's going to improve your opportunities and your ability to, to, uh, to get those things done. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, can I share a little bit more about this particular organization, Rise Above? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Because with them, it was really interesting. Uh, one of their biggest pain points with them, we do much more on the programming side um, in terms of customizing the system to track their programs. Okay. And what they do is they try to provide content for middle school and high school kids to keep them away from using drugs. Right. Right. So they, it's that, uh, I don't know if positive psychology is the term here, but they try, they're trying to counteract the, the negative voices by providing a, a, a positive voice and a positive space. And their operation is nimble and strategic. And what, I, what do I mean by that? Like they have, about less than 10 people in their team and they produce content. And then what they, before they were using Salesforce and before we started using uh, Salesforce to track it, people would log in and see their content and that information would go into spreadsheets. And it was really difficult to see who is coming back, who is watching their content more than once and how many students are we really reaching, you know? Mm -hmm. 
with the spreadsheets without having that relational database where you can roll up some of those numbers to give you more concrete um, data. Mm -hmm. They're just not getting it. And then, however, we had this older spreadsheet, so we imported the data from those older spreadsheets. And within the first year, we saw an uptick of 146% in terms of their increase in their reach in terms of inc- uh, reaching more students and more youth with their content. Wow. Because That's a huge increase in, in, a, in a year. Yes. Because once all the data was in, in Salesforce, then we could send uh, a blast email to 800. It's between 800 and 1800. I know it's a big difference, but... right. <laughs> Bear with me, but we can send like uh, we could send them an uh, an email saying, "Hey, there's new content from Rise Above that you can share with your students," and and that's what they do. So um, let me share just a little bit more. Rise Above Colorado has uh, they produce content, and they their content is produced. By teams, actually, they have something called Team Action Council. So Mm -hmm. it's a select number of students who apply to the Team Action Council every year. And this smaller number of students help to produce the content. And um, so it's content for teams produced by teams, just so their voice, it can really reach them. Otherwise, you know... It's easy for for 46 year old lady to be <laughs> saying something. Don't use drugs. <laughs> that, <laughs> you know, that is just not enough. But anyways, so talking their own language and um, and then and then they they cultivate their relationships with people in the community, like teachers in middle schools and high schools, but not only teachers. Uh, people at boys and girls clubs and other organizations who are in front of teenage kids, right? Uh, teenagers in general, and um, and that's how they, you know, they. Uh, that's why I say they are very strategic because they are not. A, a lot of nonprofits are cultivating those relationships di- directly with their constituents, you know, or touching their constituents more directly than Rise Above does. So. Gotcha. And so they're, they're leveraging the, the tools that you help them set up to make sure that they're tracking against those touch points and, and staying in front of people at the right times. Yes. So when people go in their websites and log in their information, that information falls into Salesforce. I do, uh, there is, Custom some custom code done into it to fi- link it to the correct records in the system. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have dashboards that shows which content is getting more views, more traction, you know, uh, and who what is the profile of the people accessing it, like teachers versus students and things like that, and tracking the number of students who are, uh, who are benefiting, who are being exposed to their content. Right. No, it's amazing. I mean, it just all speaks to the power of, of uh, 
uh, of technology. And when, when you have a tool and you're taking that tool out of the, out of the toolkit, so to speak, and using it on a regular basis, how much better you can be at what you're doing. Yes. So I can't believe it's been an hour since we started talking about this. It's amazing. I'm fascinated by, you know, content relations management, or I'm sorry, customer relations management tools like, like Salesforce, um, among others. And, um, and it's always so cool to hear how we can all just do a little bit better job of, of managing our information so that we can, we can do a better job of you know, helping the world or, or selling more widgets or whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. How can people find out more about you if they're interested in learning more about, about CRMs or how you can help them integrate into a, a new system? Yes, they can connect with me on LinkedIn and check out our website, CRM Growth Strategy. In our website, there is the option to schedule a discovery session where um, I we get to know each other, you know, to understand more about what they're looking for and see if it's a good fit for us to work together. Awesome. Well, I really enjoy having these kinds of conversations and, and learning more about how people can um, you can up their game just through through integration with with tools like CRMs. Um, but I also really want people to take action after listening to our conversations. If there was anything that you would want people to do after listening to the show today, what would you have them do? What would I have them do? <laughs> yeah, what action would you want people to take? Um, if they're already using a CRM, Spring is here. And one of my clients reminded me of spring cleaning. And I, I think this is a great time of the year to do a CRM spring cleaning. Okay. What does that entail? It entails to taking a look at your data in your system, you know, reviewing your contacts, looking at when was the last time you contacted your closest clients, the clients you are actively working with. You know, just uh, picking up the phone, giving them a call and check in with them. How is it going? You know, what is uh, what is going on with you? What is it that I can do to support you during this time? Uh, back to one of the main reasons why people should have a CRM is there is a lot of research. There is an, a Harvard Business Review <laughs> article about how much uh, it's 60 to 70% more likely that you can get an, uh, an engagement or more revenue from an existing client than mm -hmm. versus like 10 to, to less than 10% of likelihood of you engaging with a brand new client, you know? Yeah. And my numbers might not be 100% accurate, but you get the gist of it. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's, uh, that's what it is. It's just like... Uh, cultivating those relationships with your existing clients, reviewing your engagements with them and thinking through a little bit, you know, okay, this client, we've done X, Y, Z last year. And so many things changed in the last couple of years, you know? So in the context, in the context of all these changes with COVID and all that, you know, what is it? What is it that we can do here to provide them value and reaching out, having a conversation and sometimes just like even asking for feedback, you know, Hey, give me some feedback about our engagement here. Um, 
is there anything we could have done better? Is there anything that um, you have to share in your experience? Because that gives you insight into how you are impacting. Sometimes I, I don't know either. You know, sometimes I realize that clients are getting value out of something that in my mind is just so well established that mm -hmm. does not make a difference. But then I hear them saying, oh, those loom videos are so good. It feels like you're right next to me when I'm watching them. And I am. Yeah, it's, okay. it's amazing. It's amazing what you can, what you can dig out when you're actually tracking, tracking information. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was really awesome talking with you. Um, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Liddy. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks again for listening. You can find past episodes of the show at relishthis.org. And remember, if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on purpose marketing, grab your free copy of my book, Mission Uncomfortable, How Nonprofits Can Embrace Purpose-Driven Marketing to Survive and Thrive. Get your copy now at missionuncomfortablebook.com. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week, won't you?